This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Pie in the Sky Media. This series contains adult language and descriptions of graphic violence throughout. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Criminal Mischief. I'm your host, Carolyn Osorio. Gypsy was so excited. Actually thrilled. At long last, she was going to meet, in person, the love of her life. Her sweet prince. And how apropos that she was going to meet her man for the first time at the newly released live-action movie of what else? Cinderella. Gypsy's online lover, Nick, who was going to take her away from all the pain and suffering she'd endured at the hands of her own mother, Dee Dee. Technically, in March of 2015, Gypsy was 23 years old. She could have walked away from her mother at any time, but their relationship was complicated. Hope filled Gypsy's chest as she rolled out of her mother's vehicle. She imagined herself as poised as Cinderella, without the footman and the glass slippers, as she disembarked from her mother's car. Sure, it wasn't a magical pumpkin carriage like Cinderella, but the outcome of this supposed chance meeting between Nicholas, Gypsy, and her mother could be as life-changing for Gypsy as it had been for Cinderella. You see, this was a historic meeting because after more than two years, Gypsy would finally be meeting her prince. 26-year-old Nicholas Godijan, a man she'd been dreaming about, hoping for her mother's approval, that things would be different. The reality is, is that Gypsy loved her mother, but as I said, their relationship had always been complicated. The day's deception had been necessary. Gypsy had been dating Nick for more than two years online, something her mother had no idea about. As Gypsy's mother, Dee Dee, purchased the tickets for the movie, stealthily, Gypsy glanced around, searching for her prince. Where was he? There was no doubt that she would recognize him right away. Even though their entire relationship had been online, she knew exactly what he looked like. And she knew that he'd taken a bus from Wisconsin to Missouri, because she'd paid for it, with the money she had taken from her mother. She'd given him enough so he could also book a hotel room, he knew the movie time and the theater, and then she saw him, coming towards her as she sat in her motorized wheelchair. She smiled, wearing her satiny pale blue Cinderella gown. She smoothed her golden yellow Cinderella wig, which covered her shaved head, because of the chemotherapy. But Nick didn't care about Gypsy's medical history. Even after he'd found out that she had leukemia and was paralyzed from the waist down, he proclaimed his undying devotion, pledged his everlasting love, in an online message to his Gypsy Rose, I would be blessed to be with a beauty like yourself. You definitely have the beauty inside. I can actually feel how pure you are from the inside. And Gypsy had been able to share her secrets with him. 
the ones she'd never been able to confide in anyone else. It's these secrets that had been the catalyst for their plan. Well, multiple plans, really. They called them Plan A, Plan B, and Plan C. Today's meeting at the movie theater was Plan A. They were pretending as if they'd never met each other. They had rehearsed how Nick would strike up a conversation with Gypsy and her mother at the theater, and he'd be so charming. His charisma would completely and utterly disarm the overprotective Dee Dee. The only obstacle to their plans, a fairy tale marriage with a happy home, the real version of a Disney plot. Gypsy had high hopes that plan A was going to succeed because there he was, Nicholas Godijohn, at long last in the flesh, walking towards her. If this meeting was successful, they would no longer have to hide their love. Being reduced to having a virtual love affair instead of a real world one. And they hoped that one day, Dee Dee would come to welcome Nick as a son. Gypsy had always dreamed of a winter wedding and children. I mean, Gypsy was 23 and Nick was 26. They really didn't need her blessing. But as I said, it was complicated. And so it was. Dee Dee took one look at Nick and wasn't impressed. And when it came to the movie theater, I think we heard that didn't go very well, right? That is correct. And basically, your mom thought a 26-year-old guy at a Disney movie by himself maybe a little creepy. Yes. Okay. So that plan didn't go well. On that day, Dee Dee outflanked all of Nick's attempts at conversation, and eventually, Nick had given up, completely walking out of the screening room. Gypsy was horrified, but bided her time. She had learned a few tricks from her mother over the years. She told her that she needed to use the restroom, and that part wasn't a lie. It was in the restroom that she met Nick. Finally, they were alone. When the door was locked, Gypsy stood from her motorized wheelchair and with a proud, devilish smile walked over to Nick and for the first time proceeded to have sex with her Prince Charming on the dirty movie theater bathroom floor. As I mentioned, Gypsy had a lot of secrets. One of them was that she could walk. So a lot of times, if anyone has happened to hear of Munchausen by Proxy, they've heard of it either from the Gypsy Rose case or from other horror movies like it or The Sixth Sense or Sharp Objects, all of these different horror movies that really sensationalize and play on this, how it's so horrifying and something that isn't even real. The way that it's portrayed in media is, and sensationalized is that it's so extreme that it doesn't really happen. And so then you get people everywhere that really they see it in a movie, but it doesn't click that this is something that I work with every single day that I see every day working with different cases. You're listening to Criminal Mischief with Carolyn and Brandon. Episode 60, Mother Knows Best. Gypsy Rose Blanchard was born a healthy baby in Louisiana in the early 1990s. Her mother, Dee Dee, had met her father, Rod, at a bowling alley. He was 18 and she was 23. Not long after they began dating, and not long after that, Dee Dee got pregnant, so they decided to get married. After Gypsy's birth, Dee Dee began telling Rod that their baby girl was sickly. She had sleep apnea and needed a breathing monitor. 
Other ailments sprouted from there, including congenital issues with her eyes and hearing and digestive problems. And as Gypsy grew from being a baby to a toddler to a little girl, she didn't grow out of these health problems. The illnesses continued to bloom. By the age of seven, Dee Dee shared with Rod that Gypsy had been diagnosed with muscular dystrophy, that she would be confined to a wheelchair for the rest of her life. By then, Dee Dee and Rod were divorced. And as the family was coming to grips with the diagnosis, they were hit with another one, even more terrifying than the last. Test results had come back. According to Dee Dee, Gypsy had leukemia. It was unlikely that she'd live into adulthood. Throughout Gypsy's young life, Dee Dee made a concerted effort to push Rod away from his daughter amidst all the debilitating health issues. She made it clear that only she could properly care for Gypsy and rarely left her side. Even though their marriage hadn't worked out, Rod had no reason not to trust Dee Dee. He believed that she was taking good care of their daughter. When it came down to it, he thought she was a saint. Let's face it, the amount of health issues that Gypsy was battling was overwhelming, and Dee Dee had stepped up in every way. Rod felt that Gypsy was so lucky to have such a loving mother who sacrificed and devoted her life to Gypsy. But in the back of his mind, it did bother Rod that he could never be alone with his daughter. Dee Dee was omnipresent during their visits. She always had to be there. Then another disaster struck in 2005 in the form of Hurricane Katrina. Dee Dee and Gypsy, like so many others, were suddenly homeless. Everything they had had been wiped out. They were able to take refuge at a special needs center. And because of Gypsy's serious medical conditions, mother and daughter were medically evacuated by helicopter to Springfield, Missouri. They had been promised a fresh start from Good Samaritans, eager to help the mother and daughter. By this time, Dee Dee was Gypsy's full-time caregiver. She received disability payments and child support from Gypsy's dad, and donations for mother and daughter kept pouring in. In Missouri, Gypsy and her mother became local darlings in their community and beyond. Between Gypsy's many surgeries and illnesses, Dee Dee and Gypsy were awarded with trips to ball games and, and their beloved Disney World through the Make-A-Wish Foundation. In fact, musician Miranda Lambert would cut a personal check to Gypsy in the amount of $3,500 after meeting the little girl. Gypsy also met her favorite movie stars from The Lord of the Rings. I mean, it was impossible for anyone who met Gypsy to not feel sorry for her. She had so many illnesses, asthma, epilepsy, a feeding tube that was surgically implanted into her stomach. What they didn't know was that feeding tube meant that her mother could totally control everything that her daughter could eat and the medication that she was given. It was all blended into one shake and fed into the tube directly into her daughter's stomach. Living in Missouri also meant that Gypsy's father was in a completely different state, and so were all their other relatives. Everything that Rod knew about what was going on with Gypsy went through Dee Dee. He didn't fully understand what her conditions were, only that she was gravely ill. He had no idea that his daughter, Gypsy Rose, was being systematically subjected to unnecessary surgeries and medications, and had been her entire life that secretly Dee Dee had been shaving off Gypsy's hair to continue the lie that Gypsy had leukemia and had lost her hair as a result of the cancer treatment, that Gypsy was paralyzed from the waist down, which was also a lie, along with every other ailment that she had. 
In the eyes of the world, Dee Dee was selflessly caring for her daughter, while at the same time, aggressively campaigning for donations from charities and fundraisers. Talk about what the parent is getting out of this. It just seems insane. <laughs> yeah, you know? um, definitely. There's so much to the whole case and really so many similarities in these cases. I know there's a lot of people still that don't believe Munchausen by proxy exists or don't believe in medical child abuse at all. And yet the way I am one, I'm a survivor of it. So obviously I believe in it and I talk to survivors every day. But even apart from that, the stories I hear every single day, the story with Gypsy, everything like the way that a Munchausen by proxy perpetrator like engages in this abuse is so similar and pretty much cookie cutter in like all cases there's uniqueness and there's differences of course and there's always a lot of similarities so one the isolation having everyone kind of kept away from and it's just you and mom against the world and 95% of the time research shows that it's mothers that commit this abuse so it can be other caretakers or other people um, but 95% of the time it's mothers, but that isolation is very common, the alienation. Oftentimes victims will be told that the world is unsafe, that people are unsafe, that people are out to get them, things like that in order to kind of keep them close and keep them afraid so that they keep leaning on mom or the abuser. That's Jordan Hope. She's a survivor of the Munchausen by proxy syndrome. I am an independent contractor with Munchausen Support, which is currently the only organization that exists in the world that specifically works with those that are impacted by Munchausen by proxy or medical child abuse or things of that nature. You'll hear from Jordan throughout the show, helping us make sense of what Munchausen by proxy syndrome is but the definition of it is a mental disorder in which a parent or caretaker, usually the mother, exaggerates, fabricates, or induces illness in another person for attention, sympathy, and sometimes financial gain. So oftentimes with Munchausen by proxy or medical child abuse, what the caretaker or person perpetrator of this abuse is trying to get out of it is attention or sympathy from the medical professionals. It could be from family and friends. It could also be from the community. But there's usually like no tangible thing that they're gaining from the behavior. Um, you do see cases where people will get a lot of money, where they're getting disability for their sick child or where they are have GoFundMes or things like that. I mean, I didn't mm -hmm. realize that they got in a Habitat for Humanity house, that it's painted this kind of Pepto-Bismol pink with this white picket fence that for the wheelchair ramp. It's mm -hmm. so insidious. Like she really wanted the attention and the money that went with this, right? Yeah. Yeah. You see a lot of times in these cases that the perpetrator has some sort of cluster B like personality disorder that goes like along with it. And so does not have healthy ways of getting needs met or things like that. And some cases you'll see where 
Mother shows more of like a psychopathic sort of tendency, maybe an inability to feel emotion or to show any sorrow or to just feel really anything. Um, we see that like with a lot of cases, unless it's for like manipulation or things, but no like authentic emotions. And so it is insidious. And I think the Gypsy Rose case, of course, is like I said, the case that most people have heard of if they've heard of this abuse. Here's an interview from KYTV in June of 2008, after Dee Dee and Gypsy were gifted that house. I remember my mom had gave me this little glass house, and she said, "This one day this will be real. And now it finally is. We have an awesome bathtub. It's a um, jacuzzi tub meant for my muscles. And we have a wonderful ramp. It just proves that happy endings are not just in fairy tales. They're real and true in real life also. During this interview, as with most others, Dee Dee sits very close to Gypsy, almost always appearing to hold her hand. But what those watching, as they're getting caught up in this feel-good story of a mother who sacrifices everything for her daughter, and this poor little girl who, despite having every reason to be terrified of her condition and prognosis, wears this brave and grateful smile, this almost bubbly personality in the face of such difficulty and hardship. And as the viewer takes this in, what they're not noticing is the hand-holding by the mother. It's a way for her to control Gypsy. If she started to say something that Dee Dee didn't approve of, she would squeeze her hand. You know, it kind of flies in the face of she's a really caring mom and, and look at her and they're buying into the mom so much. The mom was really good. She was a great mm -hmm. manipulator. Which is what we see so many times in cases. Mom is charismatic and charming and mom typically will be like well known in the town or be like, volunteering or doing all these different things in different aspects and be really well liked by the community. Um, not always. That is not always the case. And there is a lot of cases that we see like that, which of course makes it so much harder because how are you supposed to detect these things? And we have guidelines, we have red flags and all of that sort of stuff. But the big issue now is that people, hospitals, law enforcement places aren't putting in the money to get those education or that training or making it a requirement for people to learn about this type of abuse. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. I know the holidays can be stressful. Maybe those family gatherings can get a little crunchy. Then you add those pressures at work to the mix. And you know, New Year's resolutions are just around the corner. This time of year can be a lot, and it's natural to feel down in the dumps, even when you have moments of pure joy. I mean, isn't that the human condition? We can always count on the ups and downs of life, which is why therapy can be such a bright spot in your life, something to look forward to, because it's not only proactive, but practical, because you're learning how to successfully manage everything going on in your life. I personally find that talking to someone really helps, because life ain't perfect, and neither am I. But that's not the point, to be perfect. The point is to be the best version of yourself, and therapy can help you get there. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. They make it easy because you don't have to go anywhere. It's entirely online and is designed to be convenient and flexible. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp dot com slash 
mischief, that's M-I-S-C-H-I-E-F today, to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash mischief. I'm going to let you in on something. I cannot swallow vitamins anymore. Seriously, I think it's residual trauma from five years of taking prenatal vitamins, those huge horse pills. <sighs> so if I can get out of a vitamin, I'm going to do it, which is why I am absolutely loving everything about Dose. Basically, Dose for Your Liver is a liquid version of an organic herbal dietary supplement with ingredients like turmeric, dandelion, ginger, all of which help support a healthy liver. And if you're wondering, why just focus on the liver? Well, it's pretty important. It aids in filtration, digestion, metabolism, and gets rid of unwanted elements. No judgment. And what's cool about Dose is when you order it, you get this 16-ounce bottle, which is delivered right to your door, and it comes complete with this cute little 2-ounce metal shot glass. You just pour the Dose, knock it back, and bam, you've done something really good for your liver in like two seconds, and it tastes delicious. If you want to give Dose a shot and invest in your health, Dose is offering Criminal Mischief listeners 15% off your first order, plus an additional 15% off if you subscribe for a monthly delivery. That's 30% off your first order. Go to dosedaily.co slash mischief and use code mischief. That's dosedaily.co slash mischief and use code mischief. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The hand-holding and tight hugs are a way for her to dominate her daughter at all times. And it wasn't just Dee Dee's constant physical presence. But Gypsy wasn't allowed out of her sight. She didn't go to school, wasn't allowed to have friends. And now, far away from Louisiana, her father and extended family, Dee Dee made sure that Gypsy knew just how much she was sacrificing for her. How it was just the two of them against the world. But as Gypsy got older, she began to understand that she could walk. Remember, she'd been using a wheelchair since she was seven years old. That's all she knew. But at some point, Gypsy began to get suspicious of her mother. When she started putting the pieces together, that she could actually walk. And then the next thought, why was her mother lying about it? When she too knew that she was fully capable of walking. This became crystal clear at the many doctor's appointments when Dee Dee would drill into her daughter's head that she was not to speak during the consultation, that she was to sit there and hold her stuffed animal, she never went anywhere without a stuffed animal, and that above all else, Gypsy was not to move her legs. Hard because a lot of times people shift all of the blame to the doctors versus any of the blame on the abuser which is like a weird thing that we see happen a lot. And I think it's important to note that doctors have a duty to report and to do those things. But oftentimes doctors are also not given the education or the awareness on like how to properly do those things. And they're put in between a rock and a hard place. If a mom is coming to you saying, my kid is sick, my kid has all these issues and is having all these symptoms 
as a doctor, you're going to have to try to like figure out you have to believe the parent is what you're taught. It just gets so, so tricky. According to medical records, between 2005 and 2014, Dee Dee would bring Gypsy to hospitals more than 100 times. She would provide a piece of paper with all of Gypsy's illnesses. To name a few, epilepsy, GI reflux, quadriplegia, muscular dystrophy, anemia, leukemia, lung disease, heart murmur, the list went on and on. In this way, the mother was able to take charge with her efficiency, coupled with her mother Teresa persona, and through her manipulations was able to get doctors to not only prescribe medications for Gypsy's many illnesses, which in and of themselves were most likely what was causing the symptoms that Dee Dee would take Gypsy to the doctor for. Gypsy underwent many unnecessary surgeries and procedures, and many of the medical professionals didn't question Dee Dee, especially when she would cover her daughter's ears in front of a doctor and whisper that Gypsy had the mental capacity of a seven-year-old because of brain damage, which also wasn't true. See a lot of times in hospitals where doctor tries to ask what's wrong and mom does all the talking. Child never gets to talk, never has a voice, is never able to say like what's going on. And it's always mom because mother knows best and those sorts of things. If Gypsy's mom didn't like a doctor's diagnosis, she would just change doctors until she found one who would give her daughter the treatment and medications she felt Gypsy needed. But this backfired one time. During one appointment in 2007 with a pediatric neurologist, the doctor had Gypsy stand up and asked her to put weight on her feet, guiding her with his outstretched hands. It was clear Gypsy could stand. And after the appointment, Dee Dee was enraged. Meantime, that doctor would write a report saying near the top, the mother is not a good historian. He even underlined that sentence. He would go on to say, quote, Analyzing all the facts, and after talking to her previous pediatrician, there is a strong possibility of Munchausen by proxy, with maybe some underlying unknown etiology to explain her symptoms. Crushingly, the notation in Gypsy's file never triggered an investigation, and Gypsy continued to grapple with her seemingly helpless situation, that her mother wanted her to be in a wheelchair when she knew she could walk, Gypsy also knew that she was capable of chewing and swallowing regular foods. However, her mother had been able to convince doctors that her daughter needed a feeding tube. But Gypsy did believe that she had leukemia, and she was afraid what her mother would be capable of if she told anyone. As the years rolled by, Gypsy's mother would add another layer of debilitating manipulation. She would scare Gypsy, saying that she'd been a part of her mother's financial fraud, that if Gypsy told anyone that she could walk now that she was an adult, both of them would be on the hook from all those generous donations, which meant Gypsy had become trapped in her mother's web of lies, schemes, and the carefully crafted persona that she'd created not only for herself, but also for Gypsy as the local darlings in their new Missouri community. The mother and daughter even shared a Facebook account. Things would come to a head in 2009 when someone alerted the authorities, an anonymous person called CPS with concerns. They worried that Gypsy wasn't as sick as her mother claimed and that she was potentially in danger. The person who called wasn't named in the report, but had told authorities that they had checked on Gypsy and couldn't find any symptoms that would support what Dee Dee alleged to be wrong with her daughter. But nothing came of the report. In 2010, 
a neighbor would call 911. They too were concerned about Gypsy. They didn't know how old she was, that she had inconsistent birth dates, and they were concerned that there was no medical diagnosis beyond what Dee Dee would say. The caller was worried that Gypsy could potentially have been kidnapped by Dee Dee and that they wondered if she was her actual mother. A deputy would show up at the family home, and they interviewed Gypsy and Dee Dee, who explained to the deputy that she and her daughter had come to Springfield from Louisiana for a fresh start, that they'd been displaced after Hurricane Katrina, that they'd lost all of their paperwork. But she added that she changed her daughter's information because she had gone through a hellish divorce and that she was afraid of her ex-husband, Gypsy's father, and didn't want him to know where they were. According to research, uh, it is most likely the most lethal form of child abuse. Up to 10% of victims die because of medical child abuse from Munchausen by proxy, which is like a really shocking and scary number. The estimate in hospital settings of the occurrence of this abuse is about 1%, which if you look at people with red hair is also like 1% to 3%. So it's rare, but it's not that rare. And honestly, I think that there's a much higher prevalence rate. I think that it's severely underreported and people aren't aware of it. And so even, you know, someone might write it in a report, but unless like a person's convicted, it's not going to end up going into those statistics. So there's just a lot of people that aren't going to be a part of that statistic. Yeah, I mean, it feeds itself because it's mm -hmm. like this idea of it goes against our own kind of unconscious and conscious biases about who we think a mother is and what she does. And especially if she is a pillar of the community and that's part of her mask, mm -hmm. you know, she's, you know, be above reproach or beyond reproach. And so that makes sense that the kid just kind of doesn't say anything because they won't be believed, you know, right? Yeah, or uh, they have no idea, right? So it's like, right. I mean, they like don't I said, you might victim. be aware of certain parts of it, but it still doesn't all click. Like I knew as a kid at times that I wasn't really having an asthma attack, but I did think something was wrong. My mom said I was dying. So like I would exaggerate my own symptoms because not because I was faking it or for attention, but because I thought that that was the only way that I was going to get help so that I didn't die. The deputy would later write in his report that Gypsy had suffered from some type of mental handicap, which is exactly what Dee Dee wanted him to believe. It feels like she was let down by the doctors, by mm -hmm. the police, you know, that they, they had done a, wel a welfare check on her. And the mom was able to just talk him out of whatever, you know, I mean, is that common where it's like the mom just controls everything? Absolutely. That is so common. We see so many times where CPS either doesn't get called when they should or they come and they don't know how to properly investigate this type of abuse and things like that. And especially back when uh, with the Gypsy Rose case, like there weren't resources at that time. This was before guidelines were even created on how to properly report and investigate this type of abuse. And so it was a lot, it would have been a lot harder back then and makes sense. And it's hard because it is all the systems that failed. Like you're saying, the doctor, the hospital systems, the law enforcement systems, CPS systems, like all of these systems failed her. And she did what, like she was just trying to survive. She was trying to figure it out. At the time, Gypsy's only source of comfort 
only respite from sadness and pain was to wait until her mother fell asleep. And then she could have just a taste, a small sliver of autonomy when she would lose herself online with her mother's computer. She would look up things like what a boyfriend was and how to kiss, how to love. Gypsy's desire for a loving relationship with a man deepened after she had convinced her mom to take her to a sci-fi convention where she met a guy. Of course, Dee Dee squashed any chance of Gypsy talking with a guy beyond that moment in time. She had no computer of her own and no cell phone. Essentially, she was a prisoner in her mother's home, even though technically she could have walked out the door. In her mind, she couldn't. But Gypsy would push back. She would create her very own secret social media account, where she was able to freely communicate with this guy she'd met at the convention. Not long after that, Gypsy began stealing money from her mother's nest egg stash in her safe. Remember, her mom was always putting on GoFundMes to raise money, and they would often get cash and gifts in the mail. Gypsy was able to buy a secret computer and burner phone. And when she was 19, she tried to run away. She left her mother's home to be with the man that she'd met at the sci-fi convention. But within a couple of hours, her mother had been able to track her down and took her back home. But after time, Gypsy's mother would let her guard down. She herself was suffering from some very real medical conditions. And after a conversation with a teenage neighbor, Gypsy found out about a dating website. So she looked it up when her mother was asleep. You see, Gypsy didn't have any real friends. The only thing she knew was her mother, their fake and real lives together, and of course, watching the Disney movies that she couldn't get enough of that featured beautiful princesses who were saved from the evil stepmother or villain by the handsome prince. That's what Gypsy dreamed about. That's what she was looking for when she went online to a Christian dating website and met Nicholas Godijon. It wasn't long before Gypsy and Nick were exchanging sexy photos and engaging in an online sexual relationship. Nick introduced Gypsy to BDSM. All this went on while Dee Dee was sleeping. At some point in their over two-year relationship, Gypsy would come clean to Nick. She told him that she could walk, that she didn't need a wheelchair, that her mother had been forcing her to pretend to be sick. Nick would share with Gypsy that he had a multiple personality disorder, undiagnosed, that one of his personalities was a 500-year-old vampire named Victor, who had a good and evil side. Just like Edward Cullen, the achingly handsome and mysterious teen who had captured Bella's heart in the 2008 movie Twilight. Here's a scene from the movie, when Bella and Edward are alone in the woods, just the two of them. I know what you are. Say it out loud. Say it. Vampire. Are you afraid? No. Nick's explanation of his 500-year-old vampire personality named Victor was a much more romanticized version of the truth. According to Nick's mom, he had been diagnosed from a very young age with a mental health condition, that he'd never lived away from his parents, which is why Nick's stepfather had actually given him a ride down to Missouri that day so he could meet Gypsy and her mom at the theater. So that's why we kind of, you know, treat him like when he was the last doctor I talked to, they said his mind is probably always going to be 15, 16, right around there. So we always try to keep a close watch on him when he said he wanted to go down there. I mean, I was a basket case. I'm like, you've never been out on your own. 
you know what I mean? But one thing that was clear to Nick's mother, beyond the fact that he was vulnerable, and she believed a good kid, who was hopelessly in love with Gypsy. Even when I tried to talk to him about, oh, you know, there's plenty of girls out there, you're a good-looking kid, why don't you meet a girl at church or something, you know? He just, I mean, that's the way it works, though, when you have what he has. It's like your mind focuses on one thing, do you know what I mean? A murder plot developed out of Nick's pledge of undying love for Gypsy, that he would protect her from anybody. Gypsy would respond online saying, anybody? Unflinchingly, Nick said, yes. And Gypsy said, even my mom? And Nick said, yes. The plan to murder Dee Dee had been something that they had discussed for quite some time. It was their plan B. They had two other plans they called plan A and plan C. If you'll recall, Plan A had been an abject failure. That orchestrated chance encounter with Dee Dee and Gypsy, which had been totally pre-planned at the live-action movie of Cinderella, that was the first time that Gypsy and Nicholas had met. Remember, they had sex in the bathroom of the movie theater? But since that totally failed, the next step was Plan C, which was for Nicholas to impregnate Gypsy. But Plan C didn't work out. Pregnancy, which I guess would be Plan C, he wanted to do it, but his mother wouldn't allow it. And, but, so he basically told you, communicated to you, I can't do plan C. Correct. And plan B was the last resort, murdering Gypsy's mother. I believe it was three plans, right? Plan A, B, and C, correct? Yes, sir. And the decision to murder your mom was always the last resort, correct? Yes, sir. But, it would, but the, the murder was referred to as Plan B, right? Yes, sir. On Monday, June 8, 2015, Nick's mom drove him to the bus station. He told her that Gypsy's mom had kicked her out of the house because she didn't approve of their relationship and didn't want her dating anyone, even though she was 19 years old. Nick told his mom that Gypsy was living at a homeless shelter. I said, Nick, you can't, if a parent doesn't want you around their kid, that's the way it is, you know, that's her parent. Yeah. You know, what do I teach you about respect? You have to respect people. Despite her reservations, Nick's mom, Stephanie, told him that Gypsy could stay with them for a little bit, having no idea that Nick's evil side of his self-diagnosed multiple personality disorder, that Victor, the 500-year-old vampire, was about to wake up. How old do you think she is? I was told she was 19. Okay. How old is she? Well, we have information she's 17 19 and 23 so um the problem is is that um uh, i'll just tell you i don't know if you've seen the news media Did no you see i i won't even turn the tv on okay well this is the situation with gypsy is that her mom um it's my understanding her mom had her pretend like she was like 16 years old and they would push her around in a wheelchair and pretend like she couldn't walk and this went on for many of years and she would wear a mask and hats and tell them that she was going to treatment and they would raise thousands of dollars for her and her family but actually she am, am i correct in saying she walks just fine yeah she walks up and down the stairs the stairs to our house they go straight up and she walks up and down those just yeah back. i mean if she would have fell down i would have held her up or something but right she was walking when i picked them up from the bus station she was walking she, yeah so for years they pretended like she couldn't walk and pretend like she was ill and um just to collect benefits to um i'm not really sure why but they would do 
the community, our community, we do fundraisers for them. Wow. Um, so that's something you're going to see in the media. Our sheriff just made a uh, media announcement about that because to let our our fam our our families in our area were so concerned because these were supposedly really Christian people and and here they're missing. Next time on Criminal Mischief with Carolyn and Brandon, part two of Mother Knows Best, where Gypsy invites Nicholas inside. Stick around for the bonus episode with my co-host and producer of the show, Brandon Morgan. And as always, thanks for listening. From Cloud 10, Criminal Mischief is a pie-in-the-sky production recorded in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. We're produced by Brandon Morgan and myself, Music by Soundstripe. I'm Carolyn Osorio, your writer and host. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.